Over the past few weeks, we've been looking together at some spiritual disciplines, or as we've called them, some holy habits that can help us and enable us to be able to grow in our faith as we follow Jesus. And this is what we've come to to know, is that faith is like a muscle. And so if it's like a muscle, you need to train it and work at it in order to see it grow and develop. So to grow in our faith, to become more mature as we follow Jesus, we need to train and live out our faith. Um, And the reason we do so is simple. The reason we want to train our faith is that God is the God who gives life. And Jesus came that we might have life in all its fullness. And so if we are to live our best life, We need to live our lives in a way that are grounded firmly in our faith in Jesus. And we need to develop habits that can help that life flow into our lives. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at a number of practical habits that we can develop in our lives that can help us to grow in our faith. We've talked about the habit of reading the Bible, of praying, of fasting, of submitting, of worshipping together. But all these habits will help you to train up in, uh, in your faith. But today we're going to look at something a little bit differently. And I want to make an important distinction. Because over the last few weeks we've talked about lots of stuff that we can do. The, the effort that we can put into uh, training up our faith, and I wholly want to support that and encourage you in that, we do need to put in the effort to train up our faith. But today, we want, I want to make a distinction and, that is, and, and, a sli- and share a slightly different message because we also know that faith is not only something we do and we live out, but it is also something that we receive. Faith is given, not earned. As Paul tells us in uh, in his letters to the Ephesians, he says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Grace, through faith, is not earned, it is a gift from God. And like any gift that is given, the question is not what have we done to earn it, but simply whether or not we are willing to receive it. So today I want to talk a little bit about the holy habit of receiving what God has given to us, and particularly and specifically the gift of the Holy Spirit. But before we go any further, I'm going to pray We're then going to read God's Word, which comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you've got your Bibles with you and want to follow along, alternatively, the words will be on the screen. um, And we'll hear what God might have to say to us this morning. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the life that it breathes into our lives. For the way in which it reveals who you are and helps us to live as you would have us live. And so, Lord, as we come together now to gather around your word, would your life speak into our lives? May we encounter you and receive the life that you offer to us all, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to read the first 13 verses together. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shemaiah pass pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. One of the essential practices of following Jesus is recognising our need for him. Jesus said to his disciples that, we, that he could remain with us forever, but, it, or that, sorry, that he couldn't remain with us forever, but if he, he then says in John 14, if you love me, Keep my command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. 
Some of you might remember the verse of the year that we've adopted as a church together from 2 Timothy, the encouragement that as a church we would fan into flame the gift of God within our church and within our lives. If we are to be a church of individual believers who try to follow Jesus and just do things in our own strength, we are going to be left disappointed. We need the gift that Jesus has promised to us all, the presence of his spirit working and resonating within our lives if we are to live out the life of faith that he has called us to. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is our counsellor, our ally, our comforter. One of the most important things we can do as we seek to grow in our faith is to, to recognise and acknowledge our need for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. To acknowledge that we need his advice. We need his support. We need his empowering and equipping as we live our lives for Jesus. Sometimes we can think that the Holy Spirit is about being su a superior Christian. Uh, we can look at people, maybe those who are more Pentecostal than we are, uh, and we can think that they must have some kind of super Christian superpower because their experience and their outworking of the Holy Spirit in their lives is different to that which it is in our life. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be Pentecostal in our understanding of the Holy Spirit and how it works in our life in order to grow and train in our faith. Regardless of how the Spirit lives in our lives, his presence is not about showing how holy or superior we are, but instead his presence is essential to each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit and the presence of the Spirit is not about some kind of spiritual super superiority, but it's essential to our survival. Without the Holy Spirit living and working in my life, I can't live uh, this life of faith that Jesus has called me to in my own strength. I can't do it. I stand here today and I say, I need him. I need his support. I need to create space to listen and be led by him. I recognise that I am weak, but he is strong. And if that's true for me, it's true for each and every one here today. If we are to survive, never mind grow in our faith, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us and lead us and guide us as we live our lives for Jesus. So this brings us to the passage that we've been looking at, uh, or that we read today from 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 16. And the context of this passage is that Israel had a king, King Saul. And King Saul had been anointed by God uh, to lead his people. And the people loved King Saul. He was everything that they could possibly want in a king. He was tall, he was handsome, he was a bit like Matt Rowe. Uh, no need to laugh. 
you know, want to encourage your minister, not knock him down. Uh, but Saul was everyone that the people wanted to be. He was strong. He was mighty. He was a great leader. He was going to be a wonderful king. But there was a problem. King Saul might have looked good to the people. On paper, he had all the right attributes that a king could and should have. But there was a problem. And the problem was this, Saul had got the wrong priorities. Instead of living his life to try and please God, Saul had got into the habit of trying to live his life in a way that pleased people, the people around him. Instead of being led by God and by his spirit, Saul was led by politics and popularity. And as a result, God rejected Saul. Recently, I had to, I've had some conversations with individuals and with groups in our church, and, and I've said to our, our church family that one of the challenges of being a minister, one of the challenges of my job, is that I don't get to do or say everything that will make you happy. That's really hard for me, because I want to make you happy. I'm a bit insecure at times, and I want everyone to like me, not laugh at me when I say that I'm tall and handsome. Um, but... I, it's a real challenge for me, but my job is not to be faithful to your hopes or your feelings or your desires. My job is to be faithful to God, to his calling, to his guiding of his spirit within my own life and within the life of our church family together. But this is something I haven't said to people within our church, is that if that is true for me, it's also true for each one of you too. Growing in our faith doesn't only mean that we recognise and acknowledge our need for Jesus, but it also means we need to have the right priorities. We need to put God first, not politics, not popularity, but God first. We need to be led not by the prevailing winds of the culture around us, we cannot be led by the democratic majority. We cannot be led by what I think. Rather, we need to be led by the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit within our lives. So God rejected Saul. And in verse 1, the, his message to Samuel is clear. He says, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Samuel was sad that all the excitement, all the hope that had been invested into Saul and his leadership and his appointment as king had ended in disappointment. And like all of us, when bad stuff happens, he was in mourning. He was wallowing at all that had happened, said, how have we ended up here, God? But God's message was, don't mourn, don't be disheartened. He wanted Samuel to know that he had it in his hands still. He was in control even with all of his disappointment. Saul may have been rejected, but God had chosen a new king. There was a new and a greater future ahead. So he says to Samuel, don't mourn the past. Grab hold of your oil and get ready for the new thing that I am doing. 
Next time you are feeling disappointed. Next time you feel like your hopes and your dreams are crumbling around you. May we hear this message of God to Samuel and to his people, and that includes you and me. Don't mourn for what has been. Don't dwell in the disappointment of what's not happened as you thought it might happen. Know that I am with you. Know that I have it all under control. I have a plan. I am your advocate. I am your guide. Stick close to me and we'll get through this together. So God says to Samuel in the midst of his disappointment, fill up your horn with oil. Be on your way. Uh, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. In the Bible, oil is something that has a whole range of deep significance around it. Oil is a sign of God's blessing. It's a sign of abundance and prosperity. It was used as a healing agent, so it's a symbol of healing as well. It's used to light up lamps that illuminated the darkness. But oil was not only a practical resource. Oil also represented the person of the Holy Spirit. And it was used in the anointing, appointing and commissioning of people as they stepped out into particular roles of service for God. In this case, the the anointing and the appointing of a new king. As God calls Samuel to pick up his oil to be ready to appoint a new king, he puts Samuel in a bit of a tricky situation. Despite the fact that God had rejected Saul, Saul was still the king. And so if Saul heard that Samuel was running around plotting to anoint someone who was going to replace him, Saul would understandably be a little bit cross. And so God tells Samuel to go to Jesse and take a cow with him as a sacrifice so he has a way of being able to get to do what um, God has called him to do without making Saul too cross. When Samuel turns up at Jesse's house, everyone is a little bit scared of Samuel um, because prophets were people who spoke words of judgment and challenge to the people. So when a prophet turned up, they generally had something that you didn't want to hear to say to you. But Samuel assures everyone there that don't worry, he comes in peace, don't worry, and that he was inviting them to share in a sacrifice that he had come to offer. But here is the lesson from this part of the passage. When we grab our oil, when we step out and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, we need to be cautious of our expectations. Jesse had eight sons, and as they gathered to Jesse, uh, or uh, gathered together with Samuel, Jesse introduced his eldest son Eliab to Samuel. Now the custom of the day was if good stuff was happening, it was going to happen to the eldest child. All the eldest children in the house say, "Amen." There you go. There's a few younger children here as well who are still got that second child syndrome. Um, but the good stuff happened to the eldest son. Um, and they would usually receive the blessing and the inheritance of their family. So in verse 6, we see that Samuel sees Eliab, the one who was going to get all the good stuff, surely. 
And, he, and, and as Samuel sets eyes on him, he thinks, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the message quickly comes back to Samuel from God. And God says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The message is so simple, yet how easy it can be for us to forget. Doesn't, God doesn't work as we expect him to work. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You know, God, creator of the universe, has a different way of seeing things to my tiny little brain. If we want to receive and walk in step with the advocate that God has given us through the Holy Spirit, we must always hold our expectations lightly. We need to acknowledge the limits of our minds and embrace the enormity of God's mind. God cares much more about character than he does about external appearances. God sees that we can that which we cannot. So if we are to walk with him, we need to be prepared that he might send us a few curveballs from time to time. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The fruits of the Spirit don't make us any better looking, but they produce better character within us. Godly character within us. So Jesse brings his sons to Samuel, and one by one, they're all rejected. There is Eliab, then there was another guy with a difficult name to say, and another difficult name to say. And then, praise God for David, we can all pronounce that one, we get to David. Now David was out in the field looking after the sheep. He'd almost been forgotten about. He was insignificant. He was the last person that Samuel was going to get to, that God could possibly use and anoint to be king. But as David enters into the room, when Samuel sets eyes on him, he says, rise. Or God says to Samuel, sorry, rise and anoint him. This is the one. David was not what anyone expected of a king, but God was moving. Samuel was calling and was called to anoint him with oil. And as he did so, the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit led him forward, not just in his own strength, but with the power of God empowering him as he went. In one moment, David, who started out the day as a shepherd, left as a king. God uses unexpected people and he uses people where they least expect it. And it is all made possible as they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The Holy Spirit that comes and leads them. The Holy Spirit that empowers them to do all that God leads them into. This is my story. Uh, many of you might have not heard or might just assume that Matt's always been a minister person. Uh, throughout my life, if you ask people who knew me when I was younger, if you ask myself when I was younger, they would have said the last person they would have thought to be a church leader would be me. There were countless people better looking, well, maybe not, but there were countless people who were more gifted, more capable than me. 
But God called me. And I regularly feel like I don't have the strength or the ability or all the skills that are needed to do this job. And yet God leads me forward. And if that's true of me, then it's also true for you. So the question is, where might God be wanting to lead and use you? Might it be the last place that you'd expect him to use you? Might it be the last place you want him to use you? Maybe you have no training, but God says, I'll give you all the training that you need. Maybe you have no self-confidence, but God says, I will empower you and give you all the confidence you need. Maybe you feel like it's outside your comfort zone, but God's saying, I'll provide for you and sustain you. This moment of anointing was not a one-off spiritual moment that lasted a while and then faded over time for David. This was an ongoing commitment of God towards David. And David continued to receive the blessing of God's anointing throughout his life. When we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we receive the power of God. Jesus promises his disciples in Acts 1 that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The same difference maker that the Holy Spirit made in David's life. The same difference maker that came upon the early church and the apostles in Acts 1 is also available to each and every one of us here today as well. The question is, will we receive it? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. He wants to empower you. He wants to use you for his glory. And the best part of it is you don't have to do anything. Just open your hands and receive the gift that is given. The power God gives us is not just a gift that is given for our own benefit, though. It also is a gift that is given with a purpose. And that purpose is to make us witnesses for Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us gifts not only for our own glory, but for or to make us look better, but for his glory, to make God look better, to build his church, to build his kingdom. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul tells us that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul then shares details about lots of different gifts and how the Spirit works in people's lives. And then he says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We should never ask God or want to receive his gifts so that we might look impressive. We ask for his gifts that we might be effective. Not for our personal gain, but that we might be effective in empowering 
the body and the mission of Christ. We don't train up our faith for our own power or our position. We train up our faith because we have a mission to step into. We train up our faith because we want to be faithful to the call that God has laid on each one of our lives to be his disciples, to be his representatives in the places where he has placed us. To follow Jesus and train up our faith, we need to be spirit-led. We need to be spirit-filled. And then he will enable us to live our best life. This habit isn't a particularly practical thing that we have to go away and do this week. It's just a case of opening our hands, opening our hearts, opening our minds and receiving the promise that Jesus makes to all his disciples, including each and every one of us here. The promise that Jesus made in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, that as we, his disciples, go, surely he will be with us always to the very end of the age. His promise that we looked at in Acts chapter 1, that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And then we will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. That is how we live our best life with Jesus. This gift is open to us all who follow Jesus. The question is, will you receive it? Will you receive the anointing, the empowering of the Spirit in your life? Are you willing to open your life that, we, that, that the Spirit might come and lead and empower you to be a disciple of Jesus, just as he has called you and each one of us to be? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your spirit. That we don't have to live our lives, that we don't have to follow you in our own strength, but we can know those two wonderful promises that you make to your disciples. That you are always with us, and that when you are with us, we can receive your power as we step out into your will. And so, Lord, this morning, we simply open our hearts. We open our minds. We open our lives and pray that prayer that we prayed earlier this morning as well. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into our lives and lead us forward, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.